What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? So welcome back to another episode. Today's topic will be mental health, and we have a guest on. Her name is Raven. Welcome, Raven. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. So before we get started, I wanted to start off with a complex question, one of our favorite segments. So the question is, if you had to pick one and to live with it for the rest of your life, you got to pick between mental health and sports, which one would you choose? I would probably choose mental health only because um, with sports, that just kind of limits me to one industry but with mental health like I can always be helping different type of people from different backgrounds all walks of life so I would probably choose mental health just because I feel like there's a bigger impact there Hmm. I like it and the reason why so for me of course I would choose mental health too because I feel like sports is just like kind of a part of my family not really me but yeah I would just get rid of them kind of all together but no uh the reason why I really wanted to ask that was because so many um so many people feel like they have to choose between like one or the other so that was why I wanted to uh start us off with that but can you tell us a little bit about your journey with mental health Yes. Um, so when I look back, I think that my journey with mental health has always been very complex because mm-hmm. like in retrospect, I feel like anxiety has always just been a part of my life since I was a kid. But obviously, I didn't know what that was back then. I just honestly thought it was just a natural human reaction. I thought everybody was feeling the same way I was feeling so I really didn't know at the time what the what it was. And so as I got older, it started showing up in different forms in my life. Like my experiences with depression haven't been that frequent mm-hmm. as anxiety, but I have had like two really bad depressive episodes in my life that lasted for months. And so, you know, sometimes it's even like a tough thing to even talk about because I just never in a million years thought that that would be me just because of like how I grew up, who I was to other people. I just never thought that I could reach a low point like that. Like, I mean, it may sound like cocky or prideful or anything, but I honestly thought that I was like above depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So like life kind of humbled me in that way. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So now where would you say you realize your mental health um, started to really affect you? Like how old were you? What environment were you in? What do you think sparked it? Like where you really realized? Yeah, I'll say college for sure. Like my freshman year of college, I went to the University of Missouri. That was, I'm from Mississippi, so that was a long ways from home. I didn't know anybody in Missouri. Mm. I'm literally on my own for the first time having to figure out who I am outside of like my core group of friends that I grew up with or my family kind of guiding me, you know, just along my journey. And so it was just very isolating. And I think that that was the first time that I really started to experience those symptoms of like just anxiety in like a a heavy way and like depression and stuff just because I was just so lonely and just kind of like so lost and confused on like what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't have friends. So I would say that was like the first time I really noticed. And so I was probably about like 17. Mm. I like that you touched on like how being away from home, I feel like when you're in college or just doing anything like, you know, interning for college, anything like that, you really do get sunk into that place. You don't know anybody. And then adding other things on top of that. Okay. I'm, you know, going to school for to be a nurse or anything like these majors and these classes. And we don't really realize, I think sometimes how it really does affect us just being away, even though, you know, this is what we've been waiting for our whole lives. So I really like that you touched on that. Cause I feel like I even kind of went through the same thing when I went away. Well, first the whole shock of me being in an atmosphere coming from a place that was not 
so diverse. Well, that was super diverse. And then going to college where people who like had never been in a diverse atmosphere. So it is like just a huge shock. So when you were going through it, what was going on with you? Like, what was some of the things that you were feeling during that time? And just for people who may be going through something and don't know, or are just feeling a little different, what are some of the things that you kind of even realize with yourself that you didn't even know like oh maybe I felt like this before and I didn't even know yeah so like I was having a lot of like just tightness in my chest all the time Mm -hmm. and just like I didn't I mean you would think somebody was like stepping on my chest and just like kept doing it because it was just so heavy Mm -hmm. that I was like what is this feeling you know like even when I would go to class and stuff and this may seem small but the professor would ask a question and I would know the answer, but Mm -hmm. I had so much anxiety that I would not raise my hand. And it wasn't the fear of like not getting it right. Cause Mm -hmm. I knew I knew the answer, but it was just the fear of like speaking up and like Mm -hmm. claiming my space in, in the classroom and stuff. And so I will always shrink myself. And I noticed that my anxiety would do that to me and kind of just kind of these thoughts in my head would just kind of be like, you're not good enough. You're not qualified to be here. Like you're going to do terrible. You're going to say something stupid in front of everybody. So that kind of silenced me a lot. And so, you know, I, I don't have regrets in my life, but I do wish that I would have like kind of come to terms with that sooner just because there were so many opportunities that I, missed out on and not because I wasn't qualified for them, but because of the things that were going on on the inside of my own head Mm -hmm. that I wish that I would have like taken and just been brave and like fought through it. So, yeah. And I love that you even brought that up because I used to have that, like from the youngest age, like just those thoughts of being like, Oh, like I know this. Like one time I was even in a meeting at work and I was like, Oh, like I, I should say X, Y, and Z, and I would never say it ever. I when I say I probably never raised my hand to give an answer ever. If I got called on, it was probably because they just called on me because I never raised my hand. Right. They thought I didn't know. Yeah, so that's crazy. Then you look back and you do see how it really does affect like the different atmospheres. Like you know, if I might have just introduced myself more, or like how it can really affect you down the line and really prevent you from kind of get into that next level so what do you feel like was the first step that you took to getting better or just to maybe even like the first thing that you did physically did like even telling someone else or like just seeking help what was the first step um well that honestly didn't come until after college so it was like years of going through this stuff you know years of like being in this just cycle of just not sticking up for myself, not speaking out on things, like denying myself opportunities. It was years of that. And so um, I'll say maybe after I graduated college, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just that like post-grad depression type of stuff, you know, where you don't get the job that you thought you were going to get or you don't really know what you're going to do now that you don't have like the security blanket of college. And so once I was going through that, like I really went through probably my lowest point in my life. And I think that was the first time that God kind of like stripped me from everything. Um, Just because I was never a person who, really put a lot of my identity into my achievements and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that was because I always had them. Like I was always doing something. I was always involved. You know, I was always like a people person and stuff like that. So once it was all stripped away from me after graduation, I think that's when I realized like, wow, you put a lot of your identity into these things. Mm -hmm. And now you kind of have to start from ground zero to build yourself up Mm -hmm. in who God says you are and not who the world says you are, who you think you should be. And so once I started 
getting into that mind frame, I was able to start to be honest with myself. Um, like, hey, you've been going through these things with anxiety, you know, having depressive episodes for years now, and you never wanted to speak up because you were afraid of how it would portray you to others, you know, and you were afraid that if you kind of spoke out about a weakness that it would completely disregard all the strength that you have. And so, and I'm like, no, those things can coexist. Like one doesn't have to be without the other. And so once I went through that and it's crazy, sometimes you have to go through like lowest, the lowest of the lowest to get, um, to just growth. But once I went through that, I started to realize there's power and being transparent. And so I actually started talking to my closest friends who were always super transparent with me, but me not being transparent with them. And they were like, Raven, you know, I go through this too. Like I've dealt with this. And they were like, you know, I've dealt with this. Why did you never say anything and things like that. And so once I started having those conversations, I was like, wow, all of this really has just been in my head and just been like, a trick of the enemy to keep me in bondage and like I need to free myself if I'm going to fully live out the purpose that God has for me so I think that was like the first time where I realized like yeah I I gotta get it together how old were you um I was like 23 Mm, so from 17 to like 23 you were just like Six years. <laughs> wow. And so, like, why do you think we just get so afraid? Like, what is it that makes it? Is it, like, what do you feel like made you, like, what was it something like, oh, I didn't really see it when I was younger? What do you think really made you or makes us just in general just be kind of, like, afraid to address our mental health? You know, I think there's a lot of things. I think first, starting from, like, even just slavery times, just all of the things that we had to endure physically. Mm-hmm. It was just so emotionally and mentally taxing, like all of the things, you know, being separated from our families, being raped, being beaten and abused, like mentally broken down. I think that once we got out of that, there was like this culture of like, you have to have strength never let them see you sweat. You know, they're trying to break you and like, you got to push through no matter what. And so we kind of built that shield where there was no room for weakness or vulnerability. It was just always like, put your best game, you know, forward, like put your best foot forward and stuff like that. And so I think like a lot of our grandparents and our parents and You know, they didn't always really just have the tools to show us how to like just verbally express what we were going through. And even in instances where we would, it would be like, oh, you're talking back or you're being disrespectful. And it's like, no, I'm feeling these things and I'm trying to say it in a respectful way. Like I'm angry and I'm trying to say that I'm angry. I'm hurt and I'm trying to say I'm hurt, but like we constantly got met with resistance. And so I feel like our generation is like the first time that I've seen a lot of people talking about mental health. Um, just because we're like, no, we're healing. We're purposes. Like we are not passing this down to the next generation that comes after us. Like we're actually going to heal our trauma so that we can have a better world. And like, I just feel like a lot of our, you know, mental health issues and everything that we struggle with is so generational that I'm like, if that's generational, we can definitely, healing can be generational, you know? So, and I feel like this is what God wants for us. Like God doesn't want us to like walk around in defeat, to walk around with this depression and anxiety, like literally crippling our lives. Like, He wants us to live a joyful and prosperous life. And so I think it's up to people like you and I who like occupy these spaces to make sure that we're, you know, always being transparent and open so that people don't feel like, well, this is not for me Um, or like I can't do this. Like if I can do it as prideful as I was about not letting people know when I was struggling I know that anybody can do it and like God can use anybody um 
to just be like a mental health advocate because we all have mental health. Like whether people want to admit it or not, we all have mental health. Everybody in this life is going to experience suffering for Mm -hmm. as long as we live. So we will never be able to escape it. And so I just feel like my job is to help people manage it. Mm -hmm. Like I can't take away your, your pain because I'm not God and that pain is there for a reason. And so, you know, just like Paul, the thorn in his flesh, like he had to live with it. And like, some of us have to live with anxiety. Some of us have to live with depression. Some of us have to live with addictions and all these things, but that doesn't mean that that is who we are as people. Right. And I love that you said being able to just navigate that space. Like, yes, we are going to suffer, but how do we get through it and not giving up and just being like, Okay, like, for example, um, my son, like, I'm trying this positive parenting. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of patience because it's like a child, their brain is not developed. So you're talking to someone who doesn't understand anything you're Mm -hmm. trying to say, but, like, at every stage of his life, being able to, like, learn, okay, at this age, he understands in this way, like, And that is so strategic. Like even when we're planning out having kids, getting married, no matter what place we're in, even our friendships, like, you know, navigating, talking to that person in a way they can receive it and not in a way that's going to be hurtful or, you know, just navigating life in general. I do, like, I love that our generation is so aware and like, we don't care you know, like, this is my mental health. So if I have to not talk to a parent, I can't, you know, like, you know, protecting where we are and setting those healthy boundaries, I just think is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so do you like, okay, first, I would say, what advice would you give to your younger self, as far as like, you know, if, if I knew then what I know now, what would you have told yourself? I would have definitely told myself like that no matter how good you are to others, like it doesn't always warrant a good response back because I was a huge people pleaser when it came to just like people close to me. And I still struggle with telling people no, acting like I'm not offended by their behavior. And I used to think like, if I just do everything right by people, like if I don't make any mistakes, you know, that they won't hurt me or that they will return the favor. And that's just, that's just not true. And so now it's like, I do what's best for me first. Like, you know, I talk to God and I make sure that it's not anything that is going to intentionally hurt somebody. Like I will never just intentionally hurt people. But sometimes when we make decisions for ourselves, people can be uncomfortable by that. And that's okay to make people uncomfortable. Like, and I think we're so afraid to do that because once you choose yourself, sometimes people try to label you a bad person Mm -hmm. and um, you're only a good person when you're doing things that benefit them. And so I realized at a young age, like just how I was just throughout college, you know, high school, college, all that, that I was doing everything for others and not doing things for myself. And so, and it didn't always give me the response that I was looking for. So I'm like, I might as well do what's best for me and then let other people just have to deal with it. And so I'm still somewhat working through those things, but I've gotten so much better. Like God is literally breaking me out of people bondage, like Mm. opinions, all that kind of stuff. Like I am starting really to just not care what people think about who I am, what I do, you know, how I show up in the world. Like I'm like, as long as God is pleased, I don't mind making other people unhappy with what I choose to do. So Amen. <laughs> and I love that you brought up people pleasing. How do you feel like that affected your mental health? I feel like that was the the basis of it all. Like because I was just so people focused, like I gotta do this right. Like I can't say this because it might offend this person, or I can't do this because of how I'm gonna look. Like everything had people in mind and not me or always God in mind. And so I feel like when you do so much people pleasing, 
you're literally like denying yourself. And so when you deny yourself, it's like all of the gifts and the talents and all of the ways that you want to express yourself are being like stifled. So all that energy has to go somewhere. So it's just going to like somewhat turn on you and it's going to make you angry. It's going to make you resentful. It's going to make you jealous, envious. It's going to, you know, make you lash out. It's going to make you like really go crazy because you're not doing what's best for you. And so I was like, I feel like I'm killing myself. Like being a people pleaser is so unhealthy. It's just so unhealthy physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And like, even the Bible talks about it, you know, like there were so many people who were disruptors in the Bible and like people, I mean, Jesus, Jesus was the biggest disruptor. There were so many people who he did nothing wrong and even they found fault in him. And he's literally the only one that's sinless. And so everybody was like stone him and kill him and hang him. And he's not the Messiah and just all these things. And it's like, wow, if Jesus who is perfect can get talked about and still be everything to everybody and like bend his back to just be there for people. I'm like, why do I feel like I have to be perfect or that I'm never going to upset people or anything like that. And once I started looking at it like that, I'm like, look, y'all can feel how y'all want to (laughs) feel. Like, you know, I love, I love people and I will always do my best to just like be there for people and like, you know, be the type of person that God wants me to be. I'm not perfect by any means, but I do strive to make sure that I'm always an encourager and uplifter, you know, just always there. But I don't do that anymore at the expense of myself. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were just, ta- when you were talking about this, I'm just like, wow, like, because this is where I am as far as like finally getting to the point where when I wake up in the morning, it's God and then I got to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And then like, I have to make sure that, you know, I'm doing what he wants me to do. So then he's not forcing me to rest. For, you know, three weeks at a time because I don't take care. I haven't been taking care of me first. And uh, one thing that I learned recently with the positive parenting, it's like I'm learning now what I wasn't taught to teach my son. So one of the things is like um, make sure that you somebody's trying to say hi to him or trying to hold him that. If he's not comfortable with going, you let the other person know, like, no, he's not comfortable right now. And then they might keep trying, but keep telling them, you know, if he's not comfortable right now, if he doesn't warm up to you and he never wants to go to you, that's okay. And you have to be okay with that, regardless of who you are to him, regardless of anything. And that teaches a child who's not even two yet that he can have boundaries. So it's like when, like, we learn these things just over, excuse me, over time that, like, we we can't have boundaries. You know, I have to do this. I have to go with these people. I have to. And we start to see, like, oh, if I don't, this person will be upset. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's so crazy how we learn these things when we are so young, like, how it's just constantly, we're constantly taught bad habits. So I love that you brought that up because now I'm trying to break that habit within mm-hmm. myself because I want to see my son have healthy boundaries and I want to have healthy boundaries so he can see as an adult, you know, my parents have good boundaries or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I wanted to touch on that. And then, how do you really think now that you're in this place where you're not really people pleasing anymore? You take care of yourself. Like what is your self care routine? You know, that's been a thing for a while now. Like how do you really reset and recharge and just get back to a place where you are good since you are putting yourself first? Um, I think like, I don't necessarily even just have a self-care routine. Mm-hmm. I think it just, I, there's just so many forms of self-care. And yeah. so I don't necessarily like plan for it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of finds me. And so mm-hmm. it could just be me listening to some of my f- favorite music, like mm-hmm. watching Netflix, like just putting down my phone and spending time with God, watching sermons, like filling myself up. Um, kind of getting away from like the world because I honestly believe that anything that helps you take your mind off of what's going on in the world that's healthy 
is self-care. Like, and, and there's just no one way to do it. And I know a lot of people think self-care is like, oh, I got to run a bubble bath and <laughs> my candles and like, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, that's a form of it, but that's not the only form. Mm-hmm. Like self-care is also setting boundaries. Self-care is also saying no. Mm-hmm. Like self-care is also having uncomfortable conversations with people that you love that may have hurt you. Like self-care is just so many things. And I think that so many people have to learn what self-care is for them and not what the world says self-care is. Like find what makes you joyful, find what puts you at peace. And and that's okay. And whether it's journaling you know, like whether it's watching something, whether it's just being in complete silence, like there's so many forms. So I just, I just feel like it just finds me. Like whenever I feel at peace, I always try to pay attention to what I'm doing. And I'm like, wow, like this is a self-care day. Like maybe I'm just laying in bed, but I'm like, wow, I feel good. (laughs) This is crazy. Like this is, God be working. Okay. Because (laughs) You, I was the same way. I was thinking that self-care, you know, I needed to have wine and do, like, all these things. I need to have, like, go to the spa, like, all these extravagant things. And really, I realized, like, no, I need to get back to what just really just fills me up. And, like, how you said sitting in silence, that's really, like, what I need. And, like, if I don't have time, before I recorded this, I really just was... Like, I literally have to clear my mind. I can't be thinking about anything at all. And it's just so crazy that you just t- touching on everything. It's like, this is where I am in life. Like, this is like, so <laughs> Yes. So for our next question, what really keeps you motivated to keep going when you just feel like giving up? Girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay I would I mean it may sound cliche but I would just definitely have to say like my faith like I just I don't know how people maneuver life without something to believe in like I just wouldn't be able to deal with the suffering of life if I didn't have God and also just kind of knowing like if I'm alive there is obviously a purpose for me to fulfill yeah. And so I can't give up because it's just not about me. And that's where I feel like so many people mess up is because they think that their life and their purpose is about them. It's about what can I gain from this? How is this going to, you know, make my name great? How am I going to like be famous or how is this going to make me rich and all these kind of things? And it's like your per- your God-given purpose, not the purpose you gave for yourself, but yeah. your God-given purpose is always going to be connected to other people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, if I give up, I'm also cutting off other people's supply of like hope because I do believe that there are certain people that are connected to our life mm-hmm. and like there is dependent on us like being obedient. And so if we're not obedient to what God wants us to do, then it's like, we won't even reach the people that he intended to not only bless us, but for us to bless them. And so I'm just like, I'm not going to give up no matter how hard it is, no matter how many days I'm like just stuck in my bed and I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like it today. And sometimes nothing is, you know, sometimes nothing has happened like bad, but I just, in my spirit, I just feel defeated sometimes. And that's, that's just a natural human reaction. Like things don't always have to happen for you just not to want to get up that day. Like you just kind of just like, I'm I'm just spent. Like Mm -hmm. I just want to relax or whatever. But what kind of just keeps me going is just knowing that I have so many other people that are counting on me who don't even, who may not even know me yet Um, and who may never meet me, but they may hear something like this podcast or Mm -hmm. they may see something on my social media that is something that keeps their life going. And so I'm just like, look, I'm, I'm the first person to say life is hard and I'm not here to say that it'll ever be a time where it's always easy. Yeah. But I do believe that we can manage, like we can have joy, we can have peace in the midst of it, you know? And so I'm just like, we don't have to walk around every day in defeat. 
we don't have to like you know walk around in bondage like we literally have to train our minds and our spirits on how to react to life like we aren't always in control of what happens Mm -hmm. um but we are in control of like our perspectives on things and like how we choose to respond and so just allowing your moods like even when you're having a bad day allow yourself to have it understanding why we ha- we're having that so i love it and i love that you said that's why you don't give up because honestly the same because if it was just based off me and my feelings i would give up but i know that my life isn't about me <laughs> yeah like i wouldn't even be on here on this video the camera on no no i would not be on here i would be bargaining with god okay so if i just do this like no but that's not how it works like just being obedient and always remembering our purpose is bigger than us so i love that you said that and and I know you were talking about just having those days. So just walk us through a day in your life where you just felt like you were at your worst. What what was the atmosphere? What were you doing? Who like what were all the things going on in that time on the worst day? Because I feel like there's somebody out there who probably is having their worst day and they probably need to hear like just something to let them know that they aren't alone. Yeah. Um I definitely was at my worst, like, after college when um, I kind of, like, lost everything. I was, like, losing friends, you know, just life. I was, like, not sure on how I was going to use my degree. Like, I was in Texas at the time. I just went my separate ways with, like, my old business partner. I drove, I literally drove from Dallas back to Mississippi because I just needed to be around like people who loved me and my grandparents are there. So, you know, they're like my, my just source for all things great. And so I drove back and like, that's like a seven hour drive. I literally cried the whole seven hours. Like I kid you not, I didn't even know you could cry that much. You know, I have never cried that much in my life. And so I cried the whole seven hours. Once I got there, it's going to sound so crazy, but I literally had to sleep with my grandma because I just could not be alone. Like I was just like, if I'm alone, I'm going to think about all the bad things that is just like happening in my life right now. I'm like, I have to be around somebody 24 seven that loves me. Like for three months, I slept with my grandma. I literally went everywhere she went. Like she owns a bookstore. I was like working with her in the bookstore. I was off of social media. Like I deleted all of my social media. I wasn't talking to really any of my friends besides like two people who I was confiding in at the time. It was just like so depressing. And like, I just felt so defeated in those moments. Like every sleep was probably my favorite part of the day because I didn't have to think about all the things that were happening to me. And so it was just so hard. And I'm, and it's like, sometimes even if I just like sit with it for like five minutes and I just think about like how far God has brought me from that moment, it's like, I get chills. Like I can literally make myself feel how I feel in those moments. And I'm like, God literally allowed that to happen to me so that I would know how people felt when they were like super depressed. Like when you really are starting to like lose hope in anything good happening for your life, because it's not like just one thing was falling apart. Like I can deal when there's one thing and I'm just like, okay, well I have all these other things, you know, I'm not going to focus on that. It'll work itself out. But when literally everything is falling apart, like family, friends, money, career you feel like purpose just all these things at one time it's like the enemy comes in to literally like just attack you from all fronts and it's and when I look back on it it's like I know that that wasn't the enemy like I know that God allowed those things to teach me something you know like to grow me up to like help me be even more empathetic um, because I went through it firsthand. So it's like, I'm not one of those people who 
I'm like, oh, feel bad for me or like, I don't like pity. And so that's another reason why I would never really be like vulnerable and stuff. But I do think there's so much power in sharing your deepest, darkest moments just because it's like when you don't talk to people about how you feel, that's when the enemy comes in and tells you all of these lies. And so you need to express how you feel, one, to get all of that energy out, but two, so that the people that you're talking to, who should be people that love you and that want to see you do well, and even if it's not like a therapist or whatever, just family and friends that you can trust, Mm -hmm. those people will speak life into you to combat what the enemy is trying to do to you in isolation. So that's what I had to do as well. Just like talk to people. But, you know, I, I definitely know that that was just all God. Like, I'm like, I can't even give the enemy credit for that one. Like right. that, that wasn't you. That was God. And I, and I'm thankful for it. I don't want to go back there, but I'm thankful. Right. <laughs> do you feel like in this moment where like after school, when you were going at your grandma's and everything, do you feel like it was really like you feeling like you lost control in a sense? Like, you just had no control over anything? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. even just going back home, like, mm-hmm. no shade to Mississippi. I love where I am from. It made me who I am today. But there are not a lot of opportunities for young Black just professionals in general to thrive mm-hmm. in Mississippi. Like, it's called the retirement state for a reason. So, going from leaving, going to Mizzou, then going to do this internship in Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys to having to like literally pick up and like go back home for three months to Mississippi. Like I just felt like, wow, I failed, you know, like I did all of this to like get out and like, you know, try to like make a name for myself and take care of myself. And now I'm coming back and it's just all out of my control. Like, it's not like I want to come back. I'm being forced to come back. And so, yeah, I just feel like I didn't have control of any situation. Like so many things were just happening at once that I just felt like, wow, how do I, like, I'm no longer making decisions for myself. Like I'm no longer seeing the results of my decisions. Like I'm just, everything is just scattered all over and I'm just being forced to like maneuver it. So, and that contributes to anxiety, like not having stability and security. Like that's one of the worst things like that. Humans thrive on security and knowing knowing things, you know, that's why a lot of people are not believers because they can't see God. They can't feel him. They can't really hear him either. So it's just like, Oh, he doesn't exist because our brains we can only make sense of things that we know. Like anything that we don't understand, we we just don't like to even like have to go through. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that that's when I realized like, wow, you're really not in control of anything. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing at all. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the things I was just in a space where I couldn't be on social media like that. I was just really stuck just felt stuck because I feel like I needed control and I was like oh you know when I become an adult I'll be able to gain control over all these things in my life because as a kid I felt like I was controlled Mm -hmm. so I always wanted to have the control over my life like you know when I get older I'm gonna do whatever I want and then when it came like so in my mind I was thinking I needed like as an adult you have to have control or your life will just be whatever it is and coming to God like really understanding who he is it really allowed me to just be like I'm letting go all of this you know God doesn't need me to be in control he just needs me to lead these areas that he's put me in and that's it and once I did that as well it was the same just oh I can breathe I don't have to worry about anything and like I just want to ask you this is not even on the topic of this necessarily 
But with everything going on with COVID and you're in Texas, I know y'all lockdown situation has been a little different from Chicago. What do you feel, like how has it been for you? Would you like what mind space have you been in and how have you been able to maintain this mind space? So I'll say like in February, like, you know, when we first started like really hearing more about COVID before Mm -hmm. the nation went on a lockdown and all this stuff, like I was kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, this is not going to turn into something. This is just the government like trying to like scare people blah blah blah. so I had all these plans like you know I you know as I don't I don't know we didn't tell the viewers this yet but um you know I'm launching a business and so Mm -hmm. I had all of these plans for my business and like I was like I'm gonna do this in March this in April this in May this in June and so I I started planning for all of those things Mm -hmm. well in March, when we went on a lockdown, I was like, wow, so now I can't do the stuff I was going to do in March. Mm-hmm. So then in April, it was still the same thing. I'm like, wow, I can't do stuff I was going to do in April. So by, I think, like May, I was just like, okay, I'm ripping up all these plans in my, you know, planner or whatever, and I'm just going to allow whatever to happen to happen. And I actually enjoyed the the lockdown only because I'm like, Oh, I can stay in my house all day and watch Netflix and write, you know, things for my dreams and read books and like talk to my friends and family. Like I don't have to do anything. Like I loved it. Like I didn't like it for people who were getting sick and people who lost their lives um, as a result of COVID. But I did like the fact that it forced us to slow down Mm -hmm. and I like the fact that um, this was one of the first times where the whole world was on the same page. Like, we were no different than the celebrities. Like, it's not like they could turn a blind eye to the things that were going on in the world because it affected them too. Like, this wasn't a rich or poor situation. It was like, we all on the same level at this point. You can't leave your house. And maybe it's a $20 million house and I can't leave my apartment. So, you know, and unfortunately, like, you know, the George Floyd stuff happened and all that stuff. But I really loved that it happened at a time where we were already forced to be still, because I think if it would have happened at a time where the world was still going on, still concerts, still sports going on, everybody would have just been still so distracted that we would have never come to this point of like, like we're experiencing somewhat of a revolution right now. And so, you know, people are not distracted. People are like more aware, more in tune. So I'm like, you know, I think honestly that God allowed COVID to happen for a time like this, like black lives have always mattered. Like we, this is, George Floyd is not like the first time that we have been brutally murdered or beaten or anything by the police, but it's the first time where the whole world was forced to watch. And once you see something like that, it's like, if your brain doesn't, you know, kind of click on and make you be like, wow, change needs to happen, then I, I don't know what to say about you. But I have been in a in a great mind state, honestly. Like, I haven't been depressed about anything. You know, I've had a little bit of anxiety just because I'm like, you know, I had to kind of change some things around with my business. Um, you know, I just had to learn how to pivot. And I'm like, you know, just because some of these things can't happen right now doesn't mean that God didn't tell me that these things were valid. And maybe it'll happen two years from now. I don't know. But I know that these things will happen. But right now, I'm like, what can I do in this space that we're in? And so it just kind of forced me to kind of like have to think outside the box and like um, realize that as long as I'm breathing and, you know, I have a roof over my head, food, you know, I like we will be okay. We don't need all of the luxuries that we think we need. And so I, I do want COVID to be over. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I, I miss I miss people. I miss 
connections. I miss all that stuff. But, you know, I I feel like it'll be over when, when God sees fit, I guess. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I feel the same, like, still being able to maintain our peace, it just shows that, like, this is happening in the world, but when you move over to the spirit, when you really just align with God, like he will like really keep you. Like you really don't have to worry about anything. So just for anybody, before we close it out, I'm just going to say it was so good, but before we close it out, just anybody struggling with their mental health right now, and they, they just don't know what to do, what, what advice would you give to them? Like, what can they do right now? They can't necessarily afford a therapist or they they just feel stuck in this season. What would you tell them? Um, I would just say first, like, just remove the shame or thinking like you're the only one feeling like this. Like, we all go through these emotions. And then... I would say, like, even if you don't know, because, like, me, I didn't know the correct terminology to what I was feeling. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was anxiety. I didn't know it was depression. You know, all these things. Um, I would just say, like, research your feelings. Like, try to find out more about what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, based on what you can afford or, you know, seek out a therapist, even if you just go once a week. Like, mm-hmm. You just need to get your feelings off of your chest. And sometimes you can't do that with friends or family because maybe sometimes what's contributing to your depression and your anxiety is your friends or your family. So you need to talk to somebody that whatever you say doesn't really affect them. And Mm so, you know, like, I don't know if a lot of people like know this, but trauma and like stress, that takes up a lot of space in our body. And so it's like, once we release it, our bodies can function properly. So like, if you can't even afford a therapist, go on Instagram and follow some inspirational people who give out free advice. Like there's a lot of Instagram therapists who are certified, um, who talk a lot about how we feel just as humans on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like those are some of the tools that will contribute to your mental health improving. Um, Also do some sort of like physical activity, like working out, yoga, just something to stimulate like your, your just energy, your, the oxytocin in your body, which are like your feel good chemicals, like, And I mean, sometimes even if you need to limit your time on social media, like do that, like we don't even be realizing that social media can make us depressed and anxious, but sometimes looking at what other people got going or downloading all of that information every day is just not healthy. Like you need to take breaks for yourself. Like, and ultimately we need to pray about everything, but we don't just need to pray. Like we need to do, you know, faith without works is dead so prayer without some action is dead so it's like if you are a christian and you've been like praying and you're still not seeing you know anything change like ask the lord what actions you need to be doing to you know kind of help you out with your mental health because i thought that oh i've been praying like and i'm still anxious i'm still depressed like why is this not going away? Like, this is what the church told me to do, you know, stuff like that. And it was like, I heard God telling me, yeah, you need to pray and read the word, but you also need to talk to a therapist. You also need to be vulnerable. Like there were certain actions I needed to take in order to see some healing. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. This was great. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, and I'll just, I'm going to touch on something else. Yeah, it's a long episode, but y'all going to be okay because it's good. But uh, I was the same way. Like, I was praying because I was having the like the anxious thoughts. Just mine kept going, and I didn't realize I need to go to the psychiatrist mm-hmm. because mine, like, I was doing all these things, and I was thinking, like, I should not be this way. And it started getting worse. Like, I started forgetting things. It's, it got so bad after I had my son. 
overwhelmed because it was just a lot going on. And my psychiatrist actually told me it was because I had been practicing these coping skills all my life. When I had him, my life had changed so much. So me praying, God led me to the psychiatrist. And I found out I had inattentive ADHD and I didn't even know. So when we pray, it's like God wants to give us the answers, but we can't like ignore them. Right. So I love that you said that because faith without work really is dead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just want to share that little piece. But for all of our listeners that want to get in contact with you, Okay, yeah, all our listeners, because I know they're going to want to get in contact with you. But uh, I also want you to explain your business a little bit and then also tell them like where they can reach you. Um, yeah, all that good stuff. So my business, I got a degree in sport management. And so I asked God to merge my love of sport with also like my love of giving advice and helping people. So I am launching a mental health organization for athletes. It's called The Silent Injury. And so I really just want them to use their platforms to bring awareness to mental health and actually what mental health is. And it's, and it's not just mental illness. Mm -hmm. and so we're talking about mental health, everything that affects us, good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can reach us at The Silent Injury on Instagram. Um, y'all go follow the page. There ain't nothing on there yet. Uh, just because I'm getting stuff together, but it's going to be launching soon. Mm -hmm. And also my personal page is Ray, R-A-E underscore K-E-N. And oh. so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter through that same at name. Alrighty, and I'm going to add those to the show notes for everybody. And this was such a great episode. Thank you so much. And you know, we did touch on control and I do want to just let all of our listeners know that we're doing a letting go of control the rest of August. So depending on when y'all tuning in, you can still join if it's available. We'll also be doing a few other things. Don't forget, check out our website, follow us on Instagram, give us a review. If you felt like this episode really touched you in any type of way, I really just want you to share this with somebody, especially if you know they're just having a hard time and you don't know what they're going through. I just want to really encourage you to just share this. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how many people, but if you know somebody who could really just use an uplifting message about their mental health, go ahead and share. And we will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye.